So we head into the new year. Uh, final shows for Grateful Shred coming up next couple nights. And uh, <clears throat> I was back in Santa Ana, um, maybe in the summer. In the, it's hard to really remember, but I saw this incredible show, Grateful Shred, um, opened with a morning dew. It was a really amazing night. A lot of girls were dancing. And uh, and then it turns out I, I go up for a three-night run in Chicago, and uh, the cat who was running sound in Santa Ana, my guest, was uh, running sound for the band. And, and there's a lot of amazing, you know, anybody who's playing the, the music of the Grateful Dead deserves a lot of respect. Um, but in my mind, sure. there, there really is only one uh, really... Uh, true testament they keep growing they keep expanding you know they're they're doing their own thing and that's grateful shred and uh it's an honor to uh bring in their uh their sound man blade baker welcome to the jake feinberg show thanks for calling me man thanks for uh asking me to do this uh i the band told me that you were a man that uh gives interviews and i actually was looking at your youtube and you Talked to some pretty cool people, George Benson and stuff like that. So I was really impressed. Uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for asking me to talk to you, man. Absolutely, man. You know, I, I um, speaking of Benson, I mean, you know, to get him on the show is one thing, and then to do something sophisticated is another. And I just wanted you to talk about, you know, your philosophy as it relates to striving for excellence as a sound man. It, it, you know, to me, that's the definition of success. It's not monetization or commodities it's striving for excellence and i just wanted you to riff on that yeah i definitely agree um it's a funny thing because there's a lot of people who who do front of house and are do sound and are sound engineers especially in the live concert domain um you know you hear you hear a lot of a lot of people talk crap on sound guys and and the, the idea is that they don't do much a lot of times and I mean that culture is changing but um, a, lot, a lot of them you can tell just kind of from what I've seen growing up and, and working in this field they do the bare minimum to get by um, and for and after seeing that you know I, the, the people who taught me this craft uh, were pros yeah. they cared a lot and they had a lot of admiration for musicians and as do I. Um, and, and for me, it's, it's just, you know, if I'm getting something great coming from the stage and these players have spent a lot of time practicing and learning their parts and building, um, their rigs and making it sound as, as great as they do, the, the least I could do is try to put in my, my two cents and do my work on my end to make sure that the audience who in the end is the people that the show is for, uh, get the best experience they can and get their money's worth and get to enjoy an evening um, and, and enjoy something that sometimes feels larger than life and uh, is satisfying and, you know, exciting. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean... No, it's, I, Blade, you know, answer this question for the audience because there'll be a lot of lay people out there that... If, that uh, why, why do... Uh, why do sound guys in this day and age get a bad rap? Well, there are a lot of good ones. and, and the, I'm not the, saying they're not. No, no, I'm saying why do people think or why do they have to do the bare minimum? Is it because technology has gotten to the point where 
it's more about the musicians feeling comfortable with what they can hear as opposed to what the audience can hear? That is part of it. You know, the musicians aren't out there to judge the front of house mix and say, wow, that really sounded crappy because they're playing on stage. They don't hear that. Um, one thing I also think is that this is a job that you don't have to get a degree to do. Mm-hmm. You can just pop, plop into a club and start working and lie on your resume or get into a little bit of like a nepotism hire or, you know, and there's, there's space for that, for people learning. And um, <laughs> a lot of times I don't think it's taking advantage of, but it's yeah. nice to, no, the it's, nepotism dude, it's there. It's there. Well, yeah, but yeah. I mean, it isn't sort of that. I don't, I don't think you need, you need to get a, sure. a college sure. degree to, to do sound at a small club. Um, and so therefore people who don't know what they're doing or, or, or are not going to be, um, proficient enough to deliver and again this is the small club world you know once you get up to bigger levels all the big bands no, this is this here. is your interview man so we're going to focus on 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 your domain you know yeah well, well yeah so i think uh, just a lot of people get plopped in the position especially like sound, sound engineers for venues um and they don't you know no one really vetted them and you know sometimes it's a good environment for someone to learn and get better um especially young engineers but um if you don't care and you don't aren't willing to do the homework outside of the, the club and listen and learn and learn how to operate the equipment and learn. And what I think is a big deal is I listen to lots of music and I understand what, a, what a grateful shreds would sound like because I'm listening to these, you know, these live recordings, or I listen to, you know, a soul, a bunch of soul records. Sure. So I know what the soul band's supposed to sound like. I know what the indie band's supposed to sound like because I listen to, you know, indie rock groups. And so I'm, I'm always listening to music and getting references. And I think something that's important is having vision. And you can have skills, but if you don't have a vision of how you want to execute something, and this applies in any domain of work, um, you don't have a vision of how you think it should be and what to strive for, you're not going to get a result that you find pleasant or that, you know, an outside opinion, an outside pair of ears is going to find pleasant. So I think just having vision is something that I've benefited from. Because I'm learning how to... When, when was your first... Uh, explain... Talk to the audience about... Uh, even if it was when you were eight years old, but that, that the first vision that you put into uh, affirmation, so to speak. Well, um, I remember going... I had been going to concerts a lot in high school. Yeah. Mostly at small clubs. But when I was 18, I uh, snuck into a music festival over in Joshua Tree called Desert Days. And mm. Iggy, Pop was he- Iggy Pop was headlining on Friday night. That was my first experience at a big, live, huge rock show, like larger-than-life production, beautiful-sounding sound system, beautiful lighting rig, um, and obviously Iggy Pop and his band are insane, <laughs> and we're insane for that show. So I saw, I remember seeing them, they opened with I Want to Be a Dog, and right. if you love the Stooges, like, that's just, you know, right. that's, like, the one you want to see, especially as, like, a kid, um, and I saw that, and that's I looked awesome. over to the right, looked over to the right, and I saw a dude operating the mixing console, and after that, it was it was like no more games. This is this is what I want to do. So I I uh, figured out a club to go work at and to go be a stagehand at, and got some, found some mentors to teach me. And uh, but yeah, that, my vision was after seeing E Pop rip and hearing an amazing audio mix, looking over to the right and seeing some old British dude who was doing his front of house and running up to him, and be like, "What the fuck are you doing, dude? This is." this is such an amazing fucking environment. How, how did you find yourself here? And then he talked to me a little bit and kind of decided, yeah, I want to be a front house mixer. You know, I want to tour. I want to, I want to mix good music and good rock music. And, um, yeah. Yeah. 
You know, uh, I want you to break this down. This is really important because I, I mean, this, it's funny. I've been writing my year in review and, uh, it's funny. Sometimes you think you you haven't had the most productive year and then you look back at the whole thing and you're like, Jesus, you know? Totally. And, uh, so I traveled a lot to see Shred before you joined the, the, got on the bus. I, you know, I was in Atlanta, South Carolina, Oregon, um, across the country. And, uh. You know, that night in Santa Ana, there was an electric vibe. That 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 place is not does not cater to jam band music. You can no, correct me if I'm okay. Like and 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 they opened with a morning dew. I mean, it, it was like I'm not sure how like. That you know what? That, you know what's funny about that for me? Is yeah. I'm a huge fan of um, <clears throat> the first Dead record. When I yeah. introduced the Dead, my friend sent me their self-titled. American Beauty. Oh, self-titled, self-titled, yeah. Self-titled. Yeah. So when they're still ripping the blues stuff and yeah. doing covers. Um, and that record was what got me into the dead. Mm. And this is, you know, and my friend showed me this because I'd heard, you know, all the other stuff growing up. And I was like, oh, this is a little folky for me. I like I like more ripping music. <laughs> and I listened to that. I listened to self-titled and was like, yeah. and Morning Dew is, is this one of my favorite songs. So it was funny because this, I was just the house technician at that gig. I had just gotten hired to work that shift. Um Thank and, God, and, man. It, Thank freaking God, man. Well, it was great because they come <laughs> in and I'm aware of, you know, some of the Grateful Dead stuff mm-hmm. and I've been listening to the recordings for a few years and all that. I, I get the vibe. I'm, I'm a fan of the music. And I, I really like the shows and stuff like that. So, and then this first song they do is something that for me is a, is a song that resonates with me and that I identify with the Grateful Dead with, which is Morning Dew off that first record and, and I listened to a lot of the early 60s and late or uh, late 60s early 70s recordings and they were still doing Morning Dew a lot at that time so that was they ripped they opened with that one and I was like what the fuck like, I gotta be honest with you though like correct me if I'm wrong but the Morning Dew on the self-titled album is pretty tight this is like they played the 83 version like the 10 minute version of it and that to me it, is it, it, yeah they jam out on it <clears throat> no, you know, I'm very well. I, what I'm saying is, tell me, because at a certain point in the song, I mean, I was brought to tears. Um, Horn was uh, was dropping bombs, and the place was shaking. Yeah, and Coford was crushing it, man. Coford sang that song. Coford, no, 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 yeah, no. I mean, I'm, I, I, dude, absolutely. I mean, I, I found the clip of it last night. Did you? Going in, knowing that the place isn't necessarily uh, catering to, like you talked about, ripping, yeah. you know, I mean, there's a lot of hip-hop and, you know, modern music and stuff, you know, I think. Absolutely. And uh, so what did you do to cater to the warm, make the sound more warm? Because a lot of the modern music for me, um, it just, I can't feel it, you know, because a lot of it's electronic. So I just wonder what you yeah. did technically to sort of enhance something. I know, it, you know, it was just uh, clearly well, a cosmic, thing, the cosmic. The thing I did was, I talked to the, I talked to the band, and I, uh, I said, what, what, uh, you know, I figure out what they have on stage, and then I'm not gonna, um, I'm not gonna juice the subs as much. <laughs> I'm not gonna make it sound like a hip hop. Yeah, right, you know, right, right. Hip hop baseline. Right. There are parts when Dan when Dan wants it to be subby and there are parts where when Adam when McDougal wants his Moog to rip in the subs but that's not the sound so I, I'm aware of what a 70s recording sounds like and what a 70s live show sounded like and like I said I have a vision I understand what that's supposed to sound like that's not 
you don't just plug and play the same settings every time you do a band. You you you, you know you take liberties and and I, I knew what it wanted to sound like. So you know, talk to Adam McDougall. Hey, where where do you think is a good place to mic up your Leslie at? Hmm. I don't mix I don't mix Leslie cabinets very often. What's the best way to do this? And then I don't I, don't, I actually don't think I chatted with the band, band much besides talking to McDougall just because he was so cool and he was just like this like he's just kind of this like cool character that is pretty uh, pretty interesting dude to like just to know and talk to dude but, he's um, a he's a mercurial crazy cat man yeah dude he's cosmic for sure yeah. um but he's a legend and but yeah i don't really talk to that much i just what i did was i know how a grateful dead show is supposed to sound i know i know the tonal qualities and i, I also used i'm a i'm a fan of bear and bear was the grateful dead sound That's guy right. That's right. over the years and um and Owsley's family uh, was obsessive with, with the technolo- technical side of things, and he would record the shows, and luckily we have that archive of, of content and uh, material to listen to, and I listened to a lot of that stuff. So I just, I, I came prepared, and I, and I, you know, knew the Grateful Shred were playing that night, so I just figured, hey, let me listen to some uh, live recordings from the early 70s the night before and kind of get a vibe rolled up, and, you know, Put a bunch of microphones on stage and let it and just let it rip. Jared, Jared, their manager, was up there with me, and I think he was used to Broadway Danny um, Rose. Yeah, yeah, I think he was used to get. He, I mean, he's used to giving the guys who mix them because it's always house engineers. I think they've had sound engineers in the past hired by the band, but for the most part, they've had no. They have. They've had cats that have you know been on the road with them. Um, yeah, but um, I think uh, Jared was ready to give me notes and ready to. Tell me, oh, turn this, make this just this way, or fix this, or this isn't sounding right. Uh, which, by the middle of that first off morning, dude, he was like, "Oh, sick! I can just chill and enjoy the show." Dude, it was like it was that was the you know out of all the there there were a lot of I mean a lot of times I don't I'll get memories just from the videos and stuff, but that was like I just remember they laid out in that tune and. Uh, it was the building was absolutely shaking. I mean, you know, uh, had you actually ever had experience mixing Leslie speakers before? I have, but not very often. Um, I, but I'm not. I wasn't in the the jam band world very much. I, I come from a reggae world. I, I toured huh. reggae bands, yeah, and uh, more modern R and B. So I want you to talk about of- the adjustments of the bass. I, I find that fascinating between. You know what you would have in like hip hop or reggae versus yeah. more of that psychedelic country, vibe, you know, blues yeah. vibe. Well, there's a um, there's a space. Well, I mean, Dan's rig is um, interesting. I, it, it's it is it does have pretty subby elements to it. Mm-hmm. Especially he has a couple of guitar pedals that he kicks on that like are insane what they do. <laughs> And uh, it's one of those things where I leave it open, where I'm not going to juice him in super hard in the mix and juice him super hard in the subs. But he's there, and if he wants to, when he hits that pedal, it's going to overtake the room. Right. And it's, at first, it scared the shit out of me. I, I, he would do it I, I, he, when I was on the road circles uh, around the sun. The first night he did that, turn that pedal on, I thought I broke something. I was like, <laughs> oh. And I'm looking at the, the house guy who's in charge of making sure that I don't break his system. And that we don't bust his bust his shit. And he looks at me and gives me a dirty look, and he's like, "What the hell's going on?" And I'm like, "I don't know, man." And then after I realized by the second show, after that show, the second time he did it, I'm like, "Oh, this is something he does." Wow. I, I got I just got to turn it up. And if they want, if he wants that huge bass boost, he gets it. 
that's that's his art that's his instrument and what's what his instrument's putting out i'm not gonna turn it down because some house deck is looking at me all funny that's right um yeah and it's it's that's the thing it, it, it scared the shit out of me at first but i eventually i'm like oh this is kind of the best thing ever you know, <laughs> how much of it is like on this ridiculous pedal and it's just this overwhelming wall of bass and it's a fill bomb and then he does the fill bombs he he plays the power chords on, on his uh on the starfire or his alembic if he's with uh circles and he plays these power chords with that pedal on it it's just like oh here we go like fucking awesome let's let's do it or or uh adam will hit the lowest octave ever on his on his synth his mode and it's just like this huge fucking boom and you're just like cool let's go let's do it i'm not gonna fight it I, this is what they're giving me i'm gonna take it same thing john john's guitar gets loud john's guitar gets gnarly he's oscillating a delay pedal for you know 30 seconds it's just taken off i'm like cool let's fucking let's turn it up let's get there you just went to never ever land on me bro i mean that was some serious knowledge i love it man i uh yeah, how, how i mean when how do you deal with like if you have a band three cats are are doing nat natural sound and then uh, you know maybe somebody's got a, in, in ear monitors i mean how do you does that does that factor into the work you do yeah i uh some of the bands i do i like in ear monitors um, hey, dude i have a real problem with them just because i feel like in some ways well, for you no, no, I just want to, I, you know, I, you can riff any way you want, but I just, my feeling is like, if the musician's going to be totally vulnerable and they're playing spiritual music, then they need to be reacting not just to the bandmates or their own sound, but to the, to the, to the environmental shit. And, and that's just me, you know, and, and, and a band like Circles is like that, you know, but I wonder how you, uh, you know, you can push back on that. I just, I, to me, you're behind the beat. Or you're listening to yourself too much. Yeah, no, I think that there's a time and place. There's a time and place, but uh, right. But inner monitors are good for the front house mix because there's less fucking speakers shooting into the forty plus <laughs> mic I have on stage. But, yeah, right. I, I dig. Yeah, but like here's um, for for a band like Shred that is like totally a vibe. It's not, you know, there's no click track. There's no like. I love out. it. I fucking love. There's it. no timed out shit. It's just you know, it's the way that they like it that. This, this culture of music um, is is played, which is raw, by the fucking seat of your pants, you know, just going for it. So it works for them. They're, they have wedges on stage. A lot of times they can't hear themselves very well, but they don't care. They're, they do care, but they, they deal with it, and they and that's they know that's part of the vibe. And right, a that's a monitor. very good, good point. Monitor, when we get a good monitor engineer on some of the shows that are at bigger venues, and there's a dude on stage left who's helping, who's holding it down for them, and I could just focus on my work. Uh, we're stoked, you know. They just played the Capitol, and the Capitol, beautiful venue, beautiful monitors, beautiful engineer working there. Um, and they ripped the show, and they were so stoked, and it's awesome. You know, it, it just, it's just like the, the thing with tours. You're in different places every night. Right. You're in different crowds or different different environments that um, sometimes cater to what, what the band is doing, sometimes don't. Uh, small places over in, you know, the middle of nowhere, or you might be at the Capitol the next night. I might be on the shittiest PA system ever one night, and then the next night I'm on the most beautiful $300,000 rig that sounds amazing. And it's just the part, it's the, it's the, really it's the fun, it's the funnest level to be at because things are fresh all the time, and there's challenges that you have to overcome every night. 
pull for my work, for the band. They have to overcome a lot. You know, we have to overcome a lot. Do we get enough sleep the night before? You know, is there good food around? You know, this little stuff makes a difference. Oh, my um, God. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I think uh, with, the, with them on stage, you know, we... Uh, but what, have, you, have you had an experience in your career? Like, do you feel like, you know, even though, you know, you haven't been around all that long in life, do you feel like yeah. you are a um, kind of a shrink for some of the band? I mean, so many of those guys, they come off, sometimes I see them, and they're critiquing themselves or the mistakes they made, and I'm like, nobody even freaking noticed, man. We had a ball. And I just yeah. wonder, like, how much you have to not talk people off the cliff because there's a lot. everyone's a pro in that in that band. But, you know, they, they, they the, the, thing, the, the thing that's fascinating is I feel like you have to be a little bit of a shrink because – Yes, they totally recognize the holy vibe of the of the shred of the music, but then they also have their egos to deal with. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm always kind of encouraging them. I mean, there'll be some nights where I come to the green room after set one, and I'm like, "You guys are ripping! This is awesome! Great work!" And they're like, "Are you serious?" And I'm like, "What are you talking about, man? You guys sound awesome mm -hmm. out there." Um, you know, or I'll be like, hey, I can't wait for you guys to listen to that tape. And they're like, delete that tape. Delete that show. Like, I don't want to listen to it. And But, um, they, you know, that's just, they're, they're playing, they're playing these songs and there's so much room for interpretation and there's so much room to, to be like looking at your, I guess, looking at their playing and be critical of it. Right, um, right. Why would you know, no one's coming to me begging for approval. They, they just have a standard, and they and they're all extremely some of the most proficient musicians I've ever worked with huh. by far. Easily, what, 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 explain, give me an exa give an example of that. Um, I mean, you know, that's a bold statement. I, really I mean, it's a bold statement. I mean, you're talking about dedication to craft. Yeah. Uh, an example of what? What do you mean? An example of I, I mean, like an example of, of of their of their uh, proficiency. I mean, you talk about being yeah. around. What does that proficiency mean? Uh, you know, I don't know. Do you? Do you? I mean, I listen to some of the other bands that are doing the covers, right? Grateful Dead covers, and there's nothing like what they're doing, in my opinion. It's Not funny because you know what it is. I just. I just don't vibe that other stuff, and I'm glad, you know it's it's to my I it's not uh, it's to my detriment that I'm not listening to it. But so many of the uh, one in particular band, it just feels like they're all individual artists that their solo careers haven't necessarily gone anywhere, so they're just sort of fighting themselves. And it just feels to me like with the shred that uh, their adherence to the to the to the Grateful Dead canon is strong, and then they have their yeah. own take on well, they bring their vibe to it. So I completely yeah. agree. Yeah, and they're talking. and they're young. I mean, they, and they have double drums, and sometimes they have Michaela. So that makes them very very unique. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, someone I was talking to uh, about they they said that that was, they're the most the spirit is I think most accurate to the vibe that was uh, going on in the seventies for, you know, the, the mm -hmm. Grateful Dead. Um, and just the, the, you know, the sketchiness of it in a way. Where <laughs> that is exactly so spot on, dude. 
I think I think. Oh you know, my I, God! Is the reggae scene seen, the reggae scene can be a little sketchy too, right? I mean, you vibe with that. For sure, yeah. I love it. It's my it's that's my favorite type of thing to do. That's <laughs> doing circles around during circles around the sun on tour with them doing their shows is some of the sketchiest shit ever. Oh like, my I'm God! In a, in a musical context, in a, in a context that's like sure. That's uh, you know, it's it, going back to what you're just asking me about. You know the reggae stuff that I do. The reggae bands that I mix are on in ears, like we were talking about earlier. They're on a click track, sure. and their set is timed out to a perfect hour, twenty-five minutes. They play the same set every night, and even the dude singing says the same exact banter in between songs every night. There's a beauty to that. There's a there's a, play, a market for that. The fans love the fans love their music, and that's just what they do. That's how they run their show. That's how they that's how they perform their art. And it's their art. They can do whatever way they like. But there's not, you know, tons of freewheeling, sketchy behavior. It's like, you know, creating special moments. It's like, you know, one night in Orange County, there's something in the air. And there's something crazy going on that you may have not experienced watching them before. But you felt it there in that moment. It's because every night is different. Every night has a different vibe. You know, everyone's personality. These are humans who have dynamic ranges of emotions. And one night... Someone's, you know, not feeling great. And they, maybe they perform their part differently because of that, or they're on top of the world. They're having a great day, and that makes them play a certain way. Again, I'm not a real, really a musician. At least, yeah, yeah. You're, 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 first of all, I want you to, I want you to, to credibly tell me. Listen, mad props to anybody who's singing for their supper on the bandstand. What is the artistic genius of playing the same set every night? Uh. I mean, it's funny. Espe- no, I want to also say this, especially because, correct me if I'm wrong, most of those cats can definitely stretch out, but they choose to, maybe not, maybe they're very limited, but to me, the formula trip is like necessary gag order. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it's it's hard. It's a thing that I haven't really like analyzed too much. I just know what I like, what mm-hmm. I don't like, and I mm-hmm. I like uh, I like when the bands you know free and all that. But as far as them, I I think it's it's um it's what they feel comfortable with. You know, just like we were talking about how uh, someone might get off stage or shred and kind of critique sure. themselves and sure. feel like they fucked up. When you don't leave room for that, you might feel that every show's of quality, and that's what the quality that you're delivering to your fan base and that's what they want to hear you know um and so having the timed out 125 minute set with the perfect banter and the click track and the drummer who never sways and is always on time um or you know the tempo stays the same the entire time and every song's performed like the record you know that's what the fan wants that's what you know man you're right and that that's more of a reflection on the peeps you know that's what they want yeah yeah it's um it's not the most you know no it's predictable like it, yeah no, I did. I mean, to me, I love what you, the way you're you're talking about this. Um, have you over that three night run in Chicago? Um, did you feel like the Jake Feinberg show brought a different vibe to the to the shred? Um, really, over the tour for sure. Um, <laughs> and also yeah, you got to analyze it. Break it down. Just uh, over the entire tour, um, you find pockets that kind of you know to show themselves to you in a way and you get to know someone in a different way and the band in a different way. Um, 
I, I don't know. I think, you know, the difference between a night in Santa Ana where it was, there was something in the air and it was just on fire. Fire. And, you know, fire. A random, a random night in <laughs> another city. So random, where, dude. So random and so electric, man. Yeah, but there were nights like that on tour, you know? I right. Mean, um, I think night, I remember when I listened back to the tapes from the Chicago shows, I remember thinking night two was definitely there was something going on, you know, that night as far as for me, I mean, just, this is my year and obviously I'm, it's, it's, you know, not my band and all that. So I don't know what they're feeling, but I listened back to the recording and I think, Oh, cool. Like this was, they were, this, maybe they were comfortable because it was their second night. Right. There. It was exactly. A, maybe I was, I getting this impre- interpretation because subconsciously I was more comfortable because it was my, I was able to get my work, uh, to a place that was more satisfactory than usual. Um, but I, there's little moments. There's, there's shows where you're like, that was fucking badass. There's shows, <laughs> that, there's shows that you're like, maybe my mix sucked or something. Well, let me ask you a question. Oh, Blade, cause I, it's funny cause, uh, well, I know I'm curious about, do you feel like it was the best sound of those three nights or do you think they played their ass off the most, those three? The, the magic was, because so I was there on Thursday night, which is, I was there all three nights, but and they were all smoking, but Thursday was funky and really raw. And actually, and I'm just wondering if you equated to, if the mix sounded up to your standards on that Saturday. Yeah, so that's, that's what I was getting to. It um, could be a subconscious thing where I remember that being the best night for me. So I'm portraying that I thought that was the best night. But no, when I listen to the tape in my head, it's something that I, I yeah. recognize as, oh, like, it's always good. But tonight, there's something about the way they did, you know, the way they did dance, dance in the streets or something like that. No, they did. They played. They sang France. It totally is. Yeah, yeah. It might be a thing. It might be a thing where I was. I'm interpreting my my own emotion that's tied to that experience. Where I'm like, I had a really fun night that night. For some reason, I did, and therefore it's a special show. To me, <laughs> which is very much possible. Yeah, but absolutely. I think you can look at objectively, and I'm the thing is, it's like, um, it, they they. They they're playing great every night, and also I just like when you said they don't they come up stage and they might think that something wasn't very great or something wasn't up to their standard. I don't interpret it. I interpret it as another awesome show, you know. Sure. And so I'm not I'm not the one up there like playing. So I don't I I can't say they're better or worse this night. I just know what it's always good. It's always good to me. It's good to good shit. You do. And, I think uh, it's important to you know be objective as objective as possible. But I think. Where do you feel like going into the new year, you know, I think you've, Neil Casal uh, left us too early, um, rest in peace, uh, and he started Circles and sort of responsible for this whole vibe that you've sort of cosmically fallen into in some ways, and uh, yeah. uh, I just, I, I wonder about where you feel like you need to grow the most uh, as a person or as a, in your profession, uh, you know, as we head into the new year. Um, yeah, I think about that pretty often. I'm always trying to grow, you know, and especially when it comes to work. One thing I, um, I do sometimes that I'm not going to be, you know, I'm trying not to do anymore is have a beer even after, until the show's done, you know. I just want to stay completely focused right. on providing, providing good, uh, product to the band that hired me and also to myself and the audience. So something I'm focused on is taking better care to just, 
stay focused on the work and not, you know, be worried about having a great time all the time. Because on tour, it's hard, you know. You, it, you got long work days. I cannot even imagine, man. I, I, yeah. I actually cannot even... I, I don't... It, it takes a certain person. Do you feel like you're... I mean, you, you've been a road, you've been road dogging it for how many years now? Uh, just professionally and full time too. Touring for two years, doing front of house. Wow, very new. But uh, no, I, I love mean, it. Usually, the whole all the, the whole two years, I crack a beer open during the show or have a, a shot of tequila or something like that. Nothing crazy. I always get the work done and everything's great. But you know, I'll listen back and to because I always have tape, been taping some of the shows that I've been doing. Um, and it's like, oh man, like I could have really made something a little bit better. Um, what's what am I? What are like? What am I doing? That what? Why am I in the moment not catching this thing? And it might be because you know I had a beer, wow. or something like that. That, so, that is fascinating. I mean, to me, like I would say, hey man, as long as you're not getting sloshed, take the edge off. It's okay. Yeah, but you feel yeah, like you're cool. missing stuff along the way. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, yeah, I'm not getting hammered, um, but. <laughs> no. Why not? Why not try to be the best that can be? And right. If that means that means waiting till after the show to let loose, that's okay. Um, because I, I I really like mixing, you know, mixing bands and mixing music. So, um, but that that's one thing. Just trying to like chill out and stay more focused on the work. And I have more professional work that I do too. That that doesn't fly. Where I'm on tour with Circles or the or Grateful Shred or even the reggae band, they don't care what I do as long as you know they know the work gets done and that they're taken care of and that I'm doing the work I was hired to do. But even for more professional productions, that's the mindset. Right. And absolutely, I'm kind of preparing myself for that future step where, hey, if I want to start making you know even better money and, and hopefully continue to make a career out of this that's sustainable long term and I can start a family with and built a lifestyle with I should probably be as focused as I can on the work and not let anything that's auxiliary distract me uh, that and also just getting better to sleep eating healthier and kind of just growing as a uh, as a young man who's just trying to figure his shit out and take a look at what's you know getting in the way of that and trying to weed, weed it out you know you have no idea um, you know just for the record, I mean, everybody's going through their own shit. So, I mean, you're right on that path. And uh, I just... Uh, are you going to be at Cervantes for the Circle shows? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely... I'm, my plan is to sabotage them. It's going to be a sick... I think John Lee knows, but it's going to be a sick... So we got to definitely catch another hang there, man. I, I, I hope that you... Give yourself a lot of love over the next couple of days, um, and you know the truth is, uh, you know one one question before I let you go. Um, like, talk to younger cats who are going to listen to this ten days from now, ten years from now, whenever. You know, it was a little bit jarring for me. I think it was night three, and like in the middle or in the first set of the show. Somebody from the band was like, you know, in my mind, being very direct about the sound issues. And, um, you know, it, that that takes uh, being cool under fire. And I wanted you to talk to your cats about the mental toughness of, of Blade Baker. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you, you got it. We always have to be... Uh 
you always have to be humble and this this work isn't like simple by any means right. and also you have to you have to you have to be able to take you know to hear something that if some if Austin or whoever I think I remember that maybe he just had a monitor problem or something you like know, that it was like it was like, it was like a, it was like a very interesting sort of like riff and I was like in, and, and I couldn't figure out if it was like a pep talk or a dressing down, but I just, to me, it's more like that happens everywhere. So like, how, you know, I just, to me, it's like, it's about being mentally strong. I'm dealing with, I'm dealing with this with my older daughter. It's just like the biggest crisis in, of our time. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you just, if I found that I have fucked up by getting scared you know, in that situation, that was nothing, right. um, truly, because well, that's, that's just good. a monitor adjustment yeah. or anything like that. But I've been under fire, for sure, especially doing live sound. I, so, I told someone what I did the other day, and they said, you're brave. And I was like, why would you say that? They're like, dude, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, have you ever been to a show that you and heard it fuck up? Like, it's the biggest deal in the world. Right. You know, you hear a bit of feedback, and everyone looks back at you and thinks you're fucking the worst dude ever. No, um, I think uh, just... You know, if, if you know what you're No, I, I want to ask you, though. I want to... When you've been under fire, yeah, that's, what that's is the... What, what is the... What is your formula for staying in the moment? Uh, I, I address... Address what's wrong and, you know, staying chill and going and handling it. Uh, if you see if someone... If something's not right, you know, if you, if you are proficient in what you do and you spend enough time getting good at what you want to do or or caring about it and you give a shit if you do that you will have the tools you need to almost conquer any challenge you have and if if there's fires coming down on you at front of house because something's not working right the worst thing you could do is shrivel up and hide mm. that's gonna that's just you know that's just not how life works you know it's it's one of those things where if you know what you're doing and you are calm and thoughtful and you give a shit, <laughs> you got to solve the problem. You have to solve the problem. And, and, and the problem is not going to solve itself. And if it doesn't solve itself, you're going to get fired and you're not going to have that job anymore. Do you like the job? Go figure out what's wrong. Right. No one's mad at you. Everything's good. The, the band is full of the nicest people in the world. So if someone's saying something from stage that they need, that something's not working, I'm going to go up on stage, have someone pull down the phone for me out front and I'm going to figure out what's going on. We're going to, we're going to figure it out. I think I think there's no real way to define how to handle a problem or handle an issue that seems to be overwhelming. It's just more of uh, do you know what you're doing? Yeah, you do. Let's go. Let's use the tools that you have to go solve this issue, and that applies in a lot of things. You know, outside of my work, um, you know, problems with your family, friends, girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever. Absolutely. Well, are you familiar with any of the of the of the rigs? For the uh, the next two nights in San Diego and L.A. The lineup, the players. He, well, no, the uh, just 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 in general, oh, like yeah, these no, are, for the for yeah. the sound systems. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, actually, it's pretty cool. Um, San Diego, the Observatory North Park has a has a uh, pretty nice room, but the Fonda has a brand new L acoustics. Um, they have a brand new sound system wow. and a beautiful console. Uh, the Fonda's going to be really exciting. 
and fun, I think, for me. Explain, tell, think, talk about what you're excited about. Um, well, it's, it's L.A. I actually haven't done a show with them. In oh, LA. man. I'm yeah. working for them. So, yeah, that's good. Exactly. I'm stoked. I'm gonna, we're going to have a lot of fun this weekend. Um, it's L.A., and, you know, I'm from Long Beach, so I'll be right up the street from my house. And then um, that's great. there's a beautiful new state-of-the-art sound system in that venue. And I think that I have an awesome show file built for that show uh, based on the equipment they have. And it's just, we get into the nitty gritty, but it's just going to be a sick night for me. I think, I think that we're going to have a lot of fun. And uh, we have Michaela. And I mean, the first time I mixed sure they didn't have Michaela singing. So anytime that they have her, it's the most badass thing ever. And I turn her vocal up as loud as I fucking can and let it rip. Blade Baker, man. Bless you, man. I'll see you in a few weeks, man. It was such a great hang. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for talking to me, Jake. I'll see you soon. All I'll right, see baby. you in uh, Colorado. Absolutely, and, baby. And, uh, are you going to be in L.A., no? I, it's not going to happen on this shred tour, but um, I know you'll, uh, if you're ever feeling a little bit stressed out, just think of Jake Feinberg and you'll make it through, baby. I think uh, that's something you should tell your daughter, too. Just think of that. I think you're right, you're man. Right. I know. I, you know what, man? Thank you, brother. Bless you, brother. Have a beautiful night. Later, man. Peace.